Sí. He just keeps going. He's just an idiot. I'm sorry. Welcome to the program, hour number two, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here, not an idiot. I don't think, at least, I'm an idiot. But you're usually the last one to know, you know? It's kind of how that goes. It's like, it's like poker, right? If you're playing poker and you're looking around the table and you don't know who the mark is, you're the mark. If you can't tell who, the, who they're soaking, yeah, just go ahead and push all your chips in. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The uh, uh, end of the last hour, I was going over this argument. Uh, it's not even really an argument. It's just, it's a silly attempt at whataboutism. Remember a couple of days back, we had a fellow call in at the end of the program. His name was Tyler, and he made some really ridiculous, you know, false assumptions that turned into false assertions. And on the Second Amendment, gun control, and I walked him through all this stuff. Uh, I was not able to disabuse him of his ignorance, but that's not why I get into any discussions with anybody or debates. I'm never trying to prove them wrong. Because uh, they're not going once you get to the point where you're arguing with somebody, especially in social media, the the stakes are too high for either one of the parties involved to say, "Oh, I was wrong." I apologize. Oh, I got that wrong. I was misinformed or disinformed by the Russians. You know, something like that. It, it, the, the stakes are too high. So I always get into the discussion or a debate with the intention of convincing you that I'm right. The people who are reading the posts or they're listening to the phone call debate, whatever, I'm never in it to convince the person on the phone or my opponent on social media, I'm not in it to, to declare victory over them. I'm in it to convince the audience that I have a better argument because that other person I'm debating, they'll never admit I have a better argument, but I know I do. I generally don't have, I, I generally don't hold opinions or make arguments that, that I think are not true or are weak. Seriously. It's, it's one of my, it's one of my own standards. I know I'm, Kind of old-fashioned like that, but I don't tend to hold opinions. I know it to be false. It's, I just find it to be counterproductive. So this fella, Tyler, he's all over Dan Bishop's because he just got unblocked. Apparently, Dan Bishop had blocked him. And then I apologize, Congressman Bishop. I apparently may have prompted in my going back and forth with Tyler, uh, apparently prompted Bishop to unblock this guy. Um, and in so doing, now Tyler is newly empowered to speak truth to power or speak his truth to power. And I'm going to let you know that I don't like you saying that the Second Amendment is in existence because it's for people to defend against a tyrannical government. I don't like it when you say that. It could inspire somebody to go kill people. So the truth could inspire people to go kill people? See, this is where the, this is where the, and I use this term loosely, Logic breaks down. Now, I can understand when you are worried that people might perceive the government to be tyrannical and that might prompt them to take some sort of action that would be violent, right? Because that is, that's the purpose of the Second Amendment, is to prevent a government from becoming a tyranny. 
And remember, Tyler was the one that made the argument that our service members would never turn on the population, right? Government officials would never do that, not in America. What are you saying? He tried to make it a patriot play. Remember that? He tried to make it like, a, oh, why do you hate the troops kind of thing? And whenever you hear a leftist start talking about the love of the troops, you know, you know that they're full of crap, okay? These are the people that want to defund and basically eliminate the military, right? They want to take all the money out of the military. These are not, these are not you know, down for the cause for the military uh, in general. But hashtag not all leftists. I'm sure there are some that like, I'm totally down with the military. I mean, after all, they're the ones that we want to use to kill a bunch of people when we enact our revolution, right? Anyway. Then he said that even if they were to turn against the American people, there's no reason for you to keep all the guns and such because the military would just wipe everybody out. They're so advanced and everything, which, of course, is silly when we're watching the Ukraine war go on now in its what month, right? against a major superpower, against all that artillery, against all that weaponry. And they're, what are they asking for? What is the Ukraine asking for? Weapons. They want weapons. They were handing out guns to everybody. You show up, here's your gun. Here's your military assault style weapon of war, whatever they're calling it nowadays. Here's your weapon. What are they defending themselves against? A tyrannical government. That's right. Very good. A tyrannical government. This one comes from overseas or not overseas, but next door. Uh, It's another nation, but it's a tyrannical government nonetheless. Hence the point of the Second Amendment. So that was Tyler's attempt at debate. I, I didn't say it was a good attempt, but it was his attempt. And so now he thinks he's he's really got something going here because he says that the uh, that. The video that Dan Bishop tweeted out was a video of these Ruth sent us moon bats dressed all in their, uh, uh, what's that show? Handmaiden's Tale, right? Handmaiden or Handmaid? Well, Handmaid is just, that's like artisan crafting stuff, right? That's like Etsy. So I guess it would be Handmaiden's Tale. Anyway, the people dressed in the red robes, and although I saw some of them, that they were not wearing red robes with the white hats. Yeah, they had, like, some of them had a floral print or something. And I don't know. I did not watch that show, so I don't know. But does that mean that, that is that like a higher ranking handmaiden that they have a floral print? Or is it just somebody, you know, like at Halloween where, you know, the kid wants to go as a ghost and you don't have a white sheet, you know, but this khaki is pretty close to white. And so you just give that to him but everybody can kind of tell he's a khaki ghost, you know, is it, it was something like that. I digress. Dan Bishop sent out this video. And this offended Tyler oh so greatly, who thought that, uh, hey, that's not the same. That's not the same. He's like, my first sentence is an argument against protesting in front of uh, uh, people's houses. What does that mean? Protesting outside of a justice's residence, he says, is not a great look. But let's be real. These folks had a drum and some ponchos. See, so what is he doing? He's minimizing it, right? He's dismissing the actual presence of protesters at the judges' homes where they arrived based on information that was put out there by Ruth Sentas' organization, and he's dismissing it. He's poo-pooing it. It's, oh, that's not so bad. 
They're just out there with some ponchos and uh, and some drums. There's no threat whatsoever. And so I ask, what is the point of the protest? What is the point of showing up at the justices' homes? He said it's not a good look. Very brave condemnation there, right? Ooh, it's so strong. What's the point of showing up at a judge's home? It's to intimidate. It's to influence a decision. It's to use something other than law in order to arrive at a conclusion. That is what you would call a threat to the democracy. But Tyler doesn't see it like that because in Tyler's mind, obviously, the ends justify the means. And if these people banging drums and standing out in front of this guy's house and, and intimidating him and his family, if that's going to get him to convince, uh, if that's going to convince him to switch his vote or his opinion, change his mind in the opinion, then it's okay. But don't you dare talk about the Second Amendment being there to protect against a tyrannical government. Because in Tyler's view now, he says, well, that's what this guy was saying. So, so here's the question. When does the government become tyrannical? That's really the question. If only there was a way we would know if a government went tyrannical. How would we know that? Maybe if we wrote down some rules and then we could look at the rules and say, hmm, has the government gone beyond these rules? And if the government goes beyond the rules, then we say, hey, they're getting into tyranny territory because here are the rules. And if you're not operating under the rules, then you would be on the path to tyranny. We could call it a constitution. How about that? It is comical to me to see how how wrong people are when they think that their argument is such the winning argument. <laughs> oh, I got them now. I'm going to make this point. And they're going to think I'm so smart. Oh, no. Like, here's one. Um, maybe we should go after all the dads who are knocking up these women who are getting the abortions. Maybe we should go after the dads, too. Hadn't thought of that, have you, Christian conservatives? No, actually, your terms are acceptable. Okay, fine with that, too. We actually had a whole system, too. It was called marriage. That would keep the guy in the relationship. Anyway, um, National Review reporting, Caroline Downey, reporting that a slate of bills aimed at curbing mass shootings and gun violence, maybe, um, went through the House, voted to increase the age required to purchase a semi-automatic rifle from 18 years old to 21 years old. The vote was 228 to 199. Ten Republicans joined Democrats in supporting the measure. Uh, those uh, GOP members were Representatives Fitzpatrick, Gonzalez, Jacobs, Katko, Kinzinger, Maliotikus, Salazar, Smith, Turner, and Upton. While the age requirement bill advanced in the House, where Democrats have a larger governing margin, it is unlikely to survive in the evenly divided Senate, where deliberations over improving mental health programs, hardening schools with enhanced security, and expanding background checks are currently taking precedence. The age provision is part of the Protecting Our Kids Act, or the POCA, a package of proposals that also includes a prohibition on large-capacity 
ammunition feeding devices. I think those were the 300 round magazines that Joe Biden mentioned last night on Kimmel. Did you hear about that? A 300 round magazine. 300 rounds. This is one of the things that kills me. Look, I'm not a I'm not a big gun person. I'm not. I'm actually not a big uh, like gun hobbyist or whatever. I, I'm not. And sometimes a lot of the, the discussions I have with people who are really, really into guns, I find to be somewhat off-putting. Sometimes I do. And I've told them. I, we've had that discussion. Something, you know, well, actually, Pete, what you're describing is that they get onto like the technicalities of all of the stuff. And it's like you're losing me. You don't want to alienate people when you want to try to win converts to the cause, right? And you alienate people by saying it's actually a magazine and not a clip. A clip is the th- different piece altogether, blah, blah, blah. Um, at any rate, I digress. The, um, the package of proposals includes a prohibition on large capacity ammo feeding devices. Like Biden's 300 round magazine which is indicative of how oftentimes you end up in a discussion about guns and the people who are trying to enact all of the, quote, common sense restrictions, they oftentimes have no idea what current law is, nor do they have any understanding about guns at all. I've noticed it. Uh, What else? Tougher punishments for gun trafficking. I'm fine with that. And straw purchases. I'm fine with that too, but you're going to have to get those DAs to prosecute they don't prosecute. They don't. They'll okay. Yes, they'll prosecute the right wing militia guy selling, uh, you know, guns out the back of his store. They'll go after that guy. They're not going to go after the people that tend to buy the straw purchase guns. And those people are grandmas, girlfriends, friends, and relatives of the gangbanger who get intimidated and forced into buying the guns for their criminal friend or family member. Yeah, they they don't get they don't get prosecuted for that sort of stuff. Um, Democratic leaders. Oh, there's also a requirement for registration of bump stock type devices, which, I, like, we're still arguing over that. What what are we still? Didn't they do something on the bump stocks a couple of years back? Which, by the way, are not used in any of the mass shootings. So, like, this idea that these bills are aimed at curbing mass shootings. Are you aware of a bump stock being used in any of these? House Minority Whip Steve Scalise said the idea that you take away somebody's rights without due process, uh, talking about the red flag laws and and others. Um, He says it's unconstitutional. It violates multiple sections of our Constitution that give Americans the right to due process. Republicans have offered some alternatives. They have some ideas. They've put them forth in bills. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. So the House has offered up a bunch of uh, bills aimed at reducing uh, gun violence. That's what they say. Although, again, I feel the need to point this out. Uh, the leading cause of gun deaths, two-thirds of all gun deaths, suicides. Uh, the second leading cause of all gun deaths, street violence. Gang activity, right? Street violence. Uh, number three, Domestic violence. 
and that's almost all of it. Vast majority of gun deaths are those three categories in that order. They all require very different approaches to trying to get at the problem, right? Suicide prevention is a much different thing than street violence, gang interdiction, right? It's a different approach. But I'm sure the one-size-fits-all legislation that just so happens to check every box that Democrats want on the gun control issue and have for many, many years, I'm sure this will totally do it. Here's the thing. It's not going to pass in the Senate. It's not going to pass. Republicans have offered to work with the Democrat leadership in the House. Richard Hudson, North Carolina 8th District uh, Eighth district Congressman. Uh, he gave, well, let me see here. Is this the floor speech? Where's my cut sheet? Uh, do, 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 do. All right. Here was him at a news conference. Good morning. My name is Richard Hudson from North Carolina. I knew that. As a father of Just an elementary school kid, I am absolutely devastated every time we have a school shooting. I can't imagine the pain and the horror of those parents when they go through something like that. And that's why I've worked so hard all these years to prevent these tragedies. There are only two significant gun safety bills have recently passed Congress. Both were Republican bills passed by Republican majorities, signed by a Republican president. The House Democrat mantra has been do something. The American people want us to do something. But House Republicans have said we want to do something that matters. That's why I introduced legislation this week, H.R. 7966, Stop to Secure Every School and Protect Our Nation's Children's Act. This bill would put a billion dollars into grants to hire school resource officers, a billion dollars to hire um, guidance counselors in schools, and $5 billion into the Stop School Violence Act to harden schools, to provide training on active shooter scenarios for law enforcement, and to help school officials and students learn to better engage, identify um, and uh, students who are in trouble before they reach a breaking point in these schools. That's $7 billion paid for with unused COVID funds. Republicans have come to the table with real solutions. We have 12 pieces of legislation we've introduced this Congress that would all address this issue. House Democrats have shown no interest in coming to the table and talking to us about these solutions. Instead, they're exploiting these tragedies to advance their radical gun control agenda. The bills on the floor this week would have done nothing to stop any of these tragedies, and they will never become law. I look at all the newspapers today, uh, Punchbowl, Washington Post, every single one of them says that not a single one of these bills is going to become law. The Senate is not even going to take them up. So why are the House Democrats doing this? They're doing this because they want to do something so they can say they did something. They want to do something to change the political narrative in this election this fall. And I say shame on the House Democrats. You realize that today they're bringing an 11-year-old girl here who two weeks ago smeared herself in her classmates' blood to try to fool the shooter in Uvalde. They're bringing in parents who two weeks ago lost their children. And they're having them testify. And they've lied to them. And they've said, if you'll come testify, we'll pass these bills. They're exploiting the pain of these people, these children, these parents, to advance their radical interest. And I say shame on them. I say to Nancy Pelosi, stop this cynical, disgusting charade and come to the table. We are here. We want to talk. We want to negotiate. We want to solve this problem. We want to save children's lives. 
All right. So what is in this act that Richard Hudson has proposed? Funding school resource officers and mental health professionals, closing loopholes in school security, hardening schools and equipping law enforcement counselors and students with resources to prevent or respond to threats. Seven billion dollars for school safety paid for by unspent covid funds. The Democrats mantra has been do something. But my Republican colleagues and I know that the American people expect us to do something that matters. That's why I introduced H.R. 7966, the Stop 2, Secure Every School and Protect Our Nation's Children Act. It builds on the Stop School Violence Act, signed into law in 2018, and redirects unused COVID-19 funding to provide $1 billion to hire school resource officers. It provides $1 billion to hire mental health guidance counselors. Our guidance counselors are wonderful, caring people who are stretched too thin. They may not always have the time they need to reach all the children who need help. $5 billion is included to fund stop school violence programs that harden schools, expand active shooter training, and provide resources for law enforcement, school officials, and students to intervene before someone reaches a breaking point. Under my legislation, schools can also apply for threat assessment to identify weaknesses in security and in mental health services. A clearinghouse is also codified under Homeland Security to share best practices for school safety. My Stop School Act is one of 12 bills that House Republicans are bringing forward that actually solve problems and actually save lives, all without threatening the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens. Look, if gun control worked, Chicago would be one of the safest cities in America. But my colleagues across the aisle have so far refused to work with us where there's common ground on this issue. So, question. If you've got these proposals from Republicans... Why not work with them to take half the loaf and then come back later and debate or argue for the other half of the loaf, right? If it's all about saving lives, why not do something that is being offered? Why not say, okay, look, I want to do, you know, I want to do X and you want to do half of X. Okay, well, why don't we do half of X? Seems like a winner right there, right? Why not just adopt what they're pitching you put it into place and then yeah like all right well we got this leftover half x and i would very much like to do this as well now they're not going to come along with you on that but you at least get the other half of the x fulfilled right what am i missing here this is right now i'm i shall we shall wait and see what they come up with but that's the approach that's happening over in the senate and north carolina senator tom tillis is actually involved in those discussions All right, so over in the House, Democrats have rushed through their raft of gun bills that are not going to pass. Republicans have offered up other ideas. Democrats say, well, when we said do something, we didn't mean that. We meant a very specific some things, and those are our some things. Those are our ideas. Um, your, your ideas are not welcome, um, but we will accuse you of not offering any. Over in the Senate, there's a group of senators that are negotiating, trying to find some common ground on some gun legislation. Senator Tom Tillis is one of them. He put out a video statement uh, about the progress of those talks. Here it is. We're actually looking at a framework that includes four key pillars. One are background checks. Today, if you're 18 years old, 
none of your prior history is accounted for. It's as if you're a day old when you go in and you apply for a gun or a gun permit. What we're trying to do is look into the juvenile record and see if there's anything in there that's particularly concerning. Uh, maybe an offense you were convicted of when you were a minor that if you had done it when you were over 18 years old would have been disqualifying. So that's the first pillar, making sure that our background check system has complete data on the applicant. The next pillar is on mental health. And in fact, it's probably the most important pillar, making sure that we have the behavioral health, mental health resources available nationwide for people who are in crisis to get the care they need and take a lot of the pressure off of a system today that is simply not providing the mental health resources that we need across the country. One of the things that we're trying to accomplish is to identify someone who's at risk and someone who may possess a gun. Um, we don't want a federal so-called red flag law, but there are states that have done extraordinary work in this area. Florida is probably the best example. A bipartisan bill passed that's had over 5,000 cases run through it that it provides due process on the front end so that it's not about confiscating a gun because someone's expressed a concern. It's about going through a legal process and giving the person who may have to have their guns uh, taken for a period of time, get the opportunity to have their day in court, and on the back end to also restore and return those guns if the threat no longer exists. That's a very, but, but it's also very important to say that the federal government is going to encourage states to consider these laws, but at the end of the day, it's going to be up to the state legislatures and the governors to determine whether or not they want to implement them. And then the final piece, and a very important pillar, is school safety. After Columbine, there was a significant amount of money and attention focused on high schools, but we now know that elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools need additional resources, they need additional training so that we can make sure that our children are as safe as they can possibly be. All right, so that's the four, uh, those are the four pillars of the legislation being examined right now by the bipartisan group. Background checks for under 18-year-olds. I Look, I said this when it first happened. This is a this would be a huge loophole. It is a huge loophole, right? This would be a loophole to close, which is if you're 16 years old and you're murdering puppies and kittens and such, and then you turn 18 and, oh, all of your juvie records are expunged, those now don't turn up in the background checks for NICS, for the National Background Check System. They, it doesn't turn up. So there needs to be some inclusion of these records, right? So someone doesn't just turn 18 and then can go out and legally purchase a gun when, you know, two weeks prior they did something awful, but that is masked from the background check system. So I, I would support putting better information into the Nick system. Uh, look, I, I want the system that we have in place. I want that to catch the people who shouldn't be able to, uh, to get the uh, permissions. That being said, people who try, the so-called lie and try, right, those people, you need to charge them. If people know that they can't buy a gun and they lie on the applications to try to get the guns, then you need to bring down a big you know, penalty on their heads because that's the whole point of having the system. Now, Mitch McConnell said he's opened some legislative outcome. But that by no means in, uh, indicates that he's prepared to do anything to achieve it. A la Pundit at Hot Air says, uh, 
you know, McConnell famously said that uh, he did not become leader of his caucus by siding with the minority. So if a majority of the caucus is not on board with, you know, raising the minimum age to buy an AR-15 up to the age 21, he's not going to go along with it. Okay. McConnell may be sincere about wanting something to pass, mainly to deny Democrats a line of attack this fall in the swing districts. Most voters don't really feel strongly about gun laws, though. And as massacres keep coming, I suspect they do feel exasperation at the chronic legislative paralysis in doing anything meaningful to try and stop them. Now, Democrats may also be wondering whether it makes sense to compromise with the GOP on a very narrow package, because then Republicans may use any kind of gun safety deal, even if it's modest, to argue for years to come that Congress has already dealt with the issue. It's plausible, especially if part of the deal includes federal grants for state red flag laws. And though they'd never admit it, There probably are some Democrats hoping a deal falls apart, so it gives them a midterm weapon against the GOP. Politics. 